the Senior Golfer Advisor, dedicated to helping you, the senior golfer, drive it longer, play better, get healthier, and enjoy the game. I'm your host, Dean Davison. Let's get started. Welcome, senior golfers. Our guest today is Kieran Conwar. Kieran is the creator of the Minimalist Golf Swing, which she plans to rebrand as the Optimal Performance Swing. We'll talk a lot more about that as we get into this interview. So what got me very excited to have Kieran as a guest is her practical experience teaching the golf swing combined with her passion for science and research. Again, we're gonna talk deeply about that. Kieran is truly a bold innovator in the golf community and is on a path actually that could revolutionize, I hope that's not too strong a word, revolutionize the golf swing, especially for senior golfers. Hello, Kieran. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for having me. Great to be on your show. Fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. I've got a question that I think would be of immediate relevance to our listeners, and it'll begin to start to pave a way for what we want to talk about more for senior golfers. So you published a study just last year in one of the scientific journals. It featured some very impressive performance gains for a group of senior golfers when using the minimalist golf swing. I wonder if you could just take a, a few minutes to give a high-level overview of the results of that study. Yes, yeah, so I had 22 participants who were over 50 years old. Most of them were over 60, and they had a variety of handicaps, and they came in for 11 sessions, which were like organized quite frequently within a span of, say, 12 to 15 days, which was a little hectic. And I used a foresight launch monitor, which gives ball speed, ball trajectory, and ball spray left and right as the ball comes off the mat. I would not say they were very impressive gains, but they were gains nonetheless. And in senior golfers, if you can improve your club speed with a six iron and a driver, those were the clubs we used. And this was, mind you, with senior golfers, it's an average. So some of them really improved a lot and some were not able to get it they'd forget stuff or they'd be sick on one day you know those are important things when you work with seniors overall we had good improvement in club speed in direction you don't have a two-way miss left and right you just go straight or slightly right straight right or just dead straight and then in trajectory which is a big thing because the higher you can carry the ball the further it goes you don't have to worry about water bodies that may be in front of you between you and the green so yes, we had good results and I also at the same time studied their motivation to play golf and most of them said their overall motivation as measured through a questionnaire increased to play golf. So they were motivated to continue after the study as compared to before. So what do you think led to that increase in motivation? So I presume because we didn't ask that question, either it was because they saw actual gains and they could see themselves using this swing or because they said, some people actually said to me, wow, this is really step by step. Now I know exactly what I need to do because with most instruction, it's like, okay, let's change your grip and see if that helps. So let's change the plane of your backswing. And here there's no guesswork because there've been other people who've done the guesswork and been through the research. I've been researching bits and pieces of this swing for over 25 years. So the current golfer is going to benefit from all those years of research and the former participants that I've had, plus the 
hundreds of golfers that I've been teaching because at every stage I used whatever I knew best. But now after my PhD dissertation data collection, I can really fine tune it in much less time than I've taken before. Hmm. Faster results are always good. Well, it's, it sounds like with, you know, seniors increasing distance, having better direction, having better or higher ball flight, those are uh, very important aspects of improvement and clearly, I think, had an impact on their motivation to want to continue it. Yes. And Dean, at the same time, it's not just getting better. It's also reducing the loads on all your major joints. So like all of us senior golfers have had injury just by having lived this many decades, you've lost your strength and speed. So you're disappointed with performance compared to when you were younger. But at the same time, you have had wear and tear on your back, on your knees, on your shoulder, on your elbows. So this swing puts much less loads on the, what we call external loads that are measured through force plates on the ground. And those result in less loads on most of your major joints. So it's not good enough if you can have a swing that gives you better performance but might risk some injury. I mean, it's not to say that you'll not get injury because there are many factors that contribute to injury, but we would certainly reduce the mechanical loads on your joints. So you're playing with a safer swing that will perform better for you, in other words. Well, that sounds pretty good right there. Lots to talk about around that. So, you know, one of the things I mentioned in the intro was uh, your passion for science and passion for research. And I think we'll find that to be quite interesting, quite relevant for the audience. But let's take us back to the evolution of this minimalist golf swing. How did all this get started for you? How it began was that being India's first woman golf instructor, which I was in 1989, in a third world country in 30 years ago, if you were a woman teaching golf, the only people you got were women and kids because you're only good enough to teach women and kids. And women, when they're of a certain age, not very athletic, find it very tough to get the ball airborne at all. Forget getting distance and stuff. So I had this one woman, because I was going to be India's first golf instructor, I sent a telegram, which is what we did in those days, to people like Ledbetter and Hank Caney. And they were very, very kind and said, yes, you can come and watch us teach. So I'd been to all these people and I said, nothing seems to work. What should I do with this woman to just, with a tee, you put the ball on a tee, she's a beginner, so she doesn't care that there's a tee under her ball helping her to get the ball and she still can't get the ball airborne. So I said, let me try to let her right arm get a little wider. And then I found that, wow, this seems to work. And then I thought to myself, if you want to be an honorable golf instructor, you have to prove that what you're saying works. And I had a friend, I have a friend in India who's a medical doctor who had a lot of training in how to do research. So we did a research study having people make a wider backswing arc with the right arm and then followed it up. I've always want, been fascinated by research because how can you say that this works unless you prove it through some methodology, you know, through scientific research? I realized that just making a wider right arm backswing arc did not always get good results. Sometimes they were very good and sometimes not so good. And then I added bits and pieces that I thought were relevant, like the direction of the backswing and how to get weight shift and things like that. And I've researched this swing at many of the phases of its development. So what I have now was my first opportunity to do it in an indoor lab with all the motion capture cameras and the force plates under the ground. And as a result of all my master's and PhD coursework, I've read a lot about the science that has already been studied in golf. So put together, I can really now fine tune it and tell you that this is what will give you the 
distance, direction, trajectory, and this is what keeps your joints safer. So it's really evolved a lot from where it was. And, and without science, it's a fishing expedition. You try this and you try that, you know, like in all sports coaching, that's what we do. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about wanting to prove that things actually work with science. That's not something most golf instructors even try to do. When did you realize that you had a passion for not just perfecting the golf swing, but really trying to find out what truly works with proof? Well, I happened to have done an undergrad degree in physics and math and then never used it for anything, got busy with family and everything. And I always said, wow, I'd love to study the biomechanics of the golf swing if ever I had an opportunity. And then literally it was just God's will that so many things fell into place that I did a fabulous master's degree at a chiropractic school in St. Louis, Missouri. And then I said, wow, I enjoy studying. I want to study some more. And I don't feel I got as much biomechanics or anatomy as I'd like. So I enrolled in a PhD program, which I hope to finish in another few months. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by science. And so having had that background, then it was exciting. Let's see if I can prove something in the numbers. And I'd already had many years of doing research. There was no opportunity to do research unless you are yourself enrolled in academia, because who's going to fund it, right? There are lots of people that would like to do research on bits and pieces of the golf swing, but who's going to fund it for them? So you have to go through all the effort of being a student to get access to labs and be able to research stuff. All true. And it's that background of yours where you've been teaching the golf swing for many years, learning as you've gone, and then combining it with this sort of background in science to be able to perfect the swing over time. That's fascinating. So we want to dive into that. One of the things you say on your your website is that you have the only swing that's 100% biomechanically and anatomically valid. Tell the audience just a little bit more what you mean by that. So, yeah, I've been collecting golf research papers like people collect stamps or coins or whatever for many years before I could even understand what a lot of them. I mean, I couldn't understand the detail of the math or the detail of the anatomical parts or whatever. So I've been collecting all these papers and reading them for years. And now if you ask me any question, why are you having me do this? I can give you a response. It might be either based in anatomy or based in biomechanics or based in motor control. And these are all subjects which come under the umbrella term of kinesiology, which means study of the movement sciences. So once you have a background in all of these, you can really justify what you're saying based on what you have learned and you're building, you're standing on the shoulders of others who have done research before you. So it's important to have read a lot of the research and then know what you're talking about. So any part of the swing that you ask me, why, why are you doing this? I won't say just because the shepherds of Scotland did it and nobody knows why they just did it intuitively. Nobody knows why. I can give you a response. And the other thing I want to mention real quickly, Dean, is that there's a desperate need for us, the golf instructors, to become scientists because the golf instructors have the experience to see if I tell you to do something and I tell five different people to do it on the same day and it's not working, only I can see that. And the PhD researchers who do the biomechanics have a great understanding of the science, but don't know if that concept will work in practice and they guess as to what the cause of what they see is. Well, that's the beauty of, of your 25 plus years of being able to see golfers swing, teaching them that, and then combining your knowledge of science. And 
you'd mentioned that most recently you've had the opportunity to go into the lab and, and really start to look at this. So let's unpack this a bit with the minimalist golf swing. That's what you've titled it and that's what you, the name you've used for many years, knowing that you soon hope to rebrand that, the optimal performance swing. But what is it about that swing? What's unique about it? What makes it a better way to swing the club? Okay, so first let me tell you what is wrong with every golf swing that exists on this planet, whether it's a classic swing or a modern swing or any of the different methods that people teach. Any swing that you make has to keep two things in mind. One is that the downswing lasts just one third of a second or less. And that's just no time at all. The second is that your brain and spinal cord, your central nervous system, do not allocate adequate resources to torso movement. So when you make a backswing where you rotate your shoulders around your spine, your torso or your everything below the neck and above the thighs, that's the torso, is kind of bending forward and rotating sideways. It's bending in two different planes of motion. And it's bending obliquely, as I call it. And then in the downswing, you suddenly have to make a horizontal rotation of your pelvis. How does that come about? You're repositioning the whole heavy mass of your torso to get into this position. So what I've done, why I called it minimalist, because it's really doing the bare minimum that you need to do for success. So I have eliminated the movements that have never been shown in research to be required. And I have reduced the range of motion of those that are very important. For example, the three main body or torso movements that have been shown in research to be important. The first is that you have to have weight shift. As you know, you go from the trail side to the lead side in the downswing. The second is that you have to have a rotary component. You have to rotate your torso, rotating the lower part of it before the pelvis, before the shoulders. And the third thing which people are now recognizing in more recent years is important is that your left shoulder has to be, or your lead shoulder, I should say, has to be as high as possible at impact because it is creating the longest possible lever of the shoulder and the arm. And so the maximum velocity of the club head. So these three things are producers of greater speed. And so you need all three. But why do you need to move so much? We know from research, for example, that skilled golfers, highly skilled golfers, can move the center of balance of their body called the center of mass by 12 centimeters. Now, for older golfers, as we get older, we lose strength, we lose speed. There is no way on earth you can move any part of your body by 12 centimeters leave alone the whole entire body by 12 centimeters in the downswing. So if I position you so that you have to move maybe a couple of centimeters, all of us can do it. Similarly, if I keep you standing tall from the address to impact, your left shoulder is automatically higher. Why must I do some sophisticated squat jump technique to get my left shoulder to be higher? And if I get your rotation to be very pure and perfect and minimal, at the right stage, so it pulls the club through at the last minute, you're creating more efficient speed. And not only that, you are able to arrive, no research has ever been conducted on directional control and on trajectory. So you're able to come from a shallower angle from the inside, from an inside path. So you cut out the left side of the fairway altogether and you get better trajectory as well as better direction. You can't have a two-way miss. You look at all the pros, on the tour, all the time they're talking of a double cross these days, if you watch any of the PGA Tour events, which means they're missing to the left and to the right. 
So the three movements, I reduce the range of motion, like I said, is lateral weight shift, is lifting the left shoulder higher and is rotating. I make a very small movement by the way I position you at address. And then the movement I cut out completely because it's totally not required is your side bend. So for example, if you were to get into your address, are you right-handed? I am right-handed, yes. All right. So if I told you to get into an address position, which shoulder would be higher? My left. And if you got into a sort of a fake impact position, which shoulder would be higher? Left. Now, when you get into the top of your backswing, which shoulder is higher? Right. (laughs) So if you start and end with the right shoulder lower, the trail shoulder, why are you lifting it up? It takes so much time. You have one third of a second. If you want to know what one third of a second is, how quickly it goes, try and go to your cell phone's stopwatch and try to start and stop in one third second. You'll know just how little it is. So why are you lifting the right side or the trail side of your torso when you have to drop it down again? It's like if you and I are running a race. I mean, of course, we'd have to be twins to have the same strength and speed and everything. And you take 10 steps backward and I start running forward. Which of us is going to win the race? Well, that's a good question. Depends on how long it is. But uh, if it's a short one, you're going to win. Yeah, if it's a sprint, just like, I mean, this is so, yeah. Why, why would you lift the right side when you have to drop it down again? So why would you go backwards when you have to run forwards eventually, you know? So this swing literally positions your torso at the top of the downswing rather than the top of the backswing from which you have to undo so much stuff. You know, it's a lot of waste of time and you don't have time because every golf swing from top professional to beginner golfer research has shown does not last more than one third of a second. Yeah. I mean, it's lightning fast and there's not a lot of time to compensate if you're not highly skilled. And even if you are, we see the best players in the world still hit bad shots. Exactly. Yes. So I'm trying to picture what this looks like. It sounds in some ways like you're you're trying to change the way that they address the ball and in some ways put them in that position where they're they're already essentially finished the backswing as they're positioning themselves to address the ball. Yeah, so let me explain it to you in simple terms. I always explain it in business-like terms, not that I know anything about business. So I tell people that the setup is 95% of the job. It's like when you're planning to buy stocks and bonds to become really wealthy. This setup phase is like planning your portfolio, which shares you're going to buy, which are going to do really well and whatever. Then the backswing is the remaining 5% of the job, which is like buying when the share prices are just right. Okay. And in the downswing, you literally do nothing. And so I call it the time when you sit back and count your money as your dividends roll in. You literally just count your money because you do nothing in there. You're setting yourself up as you need to be at address. And then the backswing is just a small part of it. So let me explain how it works. At address, we rotate your entire torso, pelvis and shoulders on a horizontal plane, which is what you need in the downswing. So we rotate it horizontally and that's the torso's job done. Now, all you do in the backswing, because your right side will be lower at address because your right hand is lower, you keep that right side lower, the whole pelvis and the head from address to impact. And all you do is move your arms and you try to be very, very loose with the arms, the shoulders, elbows and wrists 
and you try to be as unwristy as possible. So you just have to be very loose and lift from the top of the arms, not from the hands. That's all. And you just swing along the new position that your shoulders have made after being rotated. And that's about it. To sum up, rotate the torso in advance. And in the backswing, just move the arms. That's it. It sounds very easy, but it's a little counterintuitive because all your life in all the sports that you play intuitively, as you lift your arms in the backswing, you lift your torso as well. But we are telling you to move your arms without lifting your torso. So it takes a little getting used to, but it's worth the while to make the change. And the why, you say you always like to have a why. The why sounds like in that blink of an eye in the downswing, so many things can go wrong. Is part of the why here to try to make that much more consistent so you're making better ball contact and better ball flight? All of the above and increasing the safety of the movement because you're, you're literally rotating the torso so your torso is close to the target line. I forgot to mention that you have to tilt your trail ear slightly towards your trail shoulder so that your entire spine from the bottom of the head to the bottom of the tailbone is all lined up in one straight line. And it stays that way from address to impact. So the way you've set up at address, it's impossible for you to come over the top because your right side has, shoulder especially has been lower from address to impact. So it's difficult, as I've proved in my dissertation recently, it's impossible to come over the top. You always arrive from the inside. You always come at a shallow angle of approach. And usually if, with enough training, you get more speed because you learn how to pull off from the ground the important muscles of rotation. It's all the benefits. We've cut out most of the unnecessary movements. And so all that's left is what you need. And it's delivered with perfect timing and at the right moment in the downswing. So I know in your website, you talk about the minimalist golf swing being appropriate for any level, any age, any ability. And yet senior golfers is an area that you're particularly interested in. Why is it so much better potentially for senior golfers? Because we've lost range of motion, we've lost strength and speed. We cannot do what we did as when we were younger. We cannot shift weight, for example, so easily. We cannot rotate so fluidly. So I'm positioning you so that you cannot help but get the rotation you need. You cannot help but get the weight shift you need. It's just overall, you've lost a lot of flexibility, strength, speed. You don't want to overload your joints because they've had years of being overloaded. And the other thing is, if you've spent many years bending forward, as we all do these days, typing with a cell phone, with anything, then your shoulders have got rounded out, which they also do as you have bone mineral density loss. You might have rounded out upper back, any of these deformities. You may have a big tummy, you may have a big chest. All of these, I shouldn't say deformities, but all of these issues in a typical golf swing, get taken out of the picture because as you rotate away to face away from target in a sort of a closed position of the torso, you are able to move the trail shoulder into a much more efficient position at the back. Hmm. It sounds like it's got a lot of benefits for a senior golfer. What, what if you're a senior golfer who is, let's say, on the earlier age spectrum and they're in pretty good shape, but they're not hitting the ball too well? How would this approach work for them? It's exactly the same. You instantly get better speed because you're not moving about so much. So there's this research that I just found very recently that says the more centered your weight is at impact when your acceleration is the most, the more efficiently you have more stability and you can hit the ball better. So literally because we are not moving you side to side or up and down, you're very centered in your 
weight, I mean, to use a colloquially used term of weight. So it's much easier to pull your torso, rotate it around because it's not being moved about so much. So literally, you're able to rotate your torso by keeping the feet firmly planted on the ground and you can generate much more speed from this quick but small movement. Wow, impressive. Your research has actually shown that distance and overall consistency in terms of ball flight was increased. So most research in golf only looks at speed, but how is your speed useful? I mean, I can generate 30 miles per hour more if I just swoosh through the ball. All of us can probably, I mean, not 30, but whatever. But is it being put into the ball? Is it being put into the ground around you in a big fat divot? Or is it being put in the air like most of us women do? You know, we top the ball or hit it thin or whatever. You're not getting the force into the correct part of the ball. And you're not getting it into the ball at all in many instances. So this smash factor or the efficiency of transfer of energy from club to ball, I suspect would also increase, but I have not had the opportunity to study that. Could be an opportunity there. So why are you changing it to the optimal performance swing? Because I think it does. it is very minimalist, but someone once told me, what does minimalist mean? It doesn't describe anything. So then I always like acronyms that, you know, have a meaning by themselves. So I thought, why not TOPS means it's a top golf swing. And also it stands for the optimal performance swing and optimal because in terms of ball flight, as well as the safety perspective. So it's optimal for your body and for your results that you want. Anyone who were to go on your website, they'd see the tremendous amount of papers and, and presentations that you've made through the years to various organizations that are both science-based and more practically uh, professional golf-based. You've made a lot of those presentations. Your approach is, is certainly innovative and perhaps boldly innovative. Have you faced many challenges along the way in terms of getting folks to, to buy into it? Yes, a lot. And so what has changed is this. So the main thing that people objected to was rotating because I would have them take the whole right hand or the trail hand off the club. And in the research that I did on the seniors, I had them rotate the entire torso by 90 degrees before repositioning the right hand on the club. And now I realize because I've done also some force plate work that you cannot over rotate the body. If you rotate it too much, it's not going to hurt you because it's the plane of the rotation is safe, but it's going to bother your balance. You're not going to be so centered in the balance. And so it might prevent you from coming back to the ball at the right moment. So you have to be careful about how much you rotate, which I've also learned after this current study. And we were with seniors, we want to stay as centered and as much in balance as we can, because balance is another thing that reduces with age, you know, so you want to do hit all the points that improve that. Yes, yeah, so you need to have understood where your mistakes are and learn from them. Well, one of the things I was going to ask, and you, you sort of answered it there, is that when people struggle learning this approach, where do they typically have the most challenges? The most challenges come from keeping the right side lower than the left side or the trail side lower than the lead side. Like I said, because it's not, it's a little counterintuitive movement. The rotation they learn in no time at all. It's not a problem. But the thing is to, in fact, in my research project that I just completed, I found that instead of keeping the trail side lower, they're bending forward more to try and avoid movement. But the more forward you bend, then your arms are being restricted. So we don't want that forward bending. We want just a side bend to the trail side and it has to stay there from address to impact. So in fact, there's some videos on my website 
where I give them several ways of feeling that. And I always tell people, spend a lot of time on this part of it before you progress to the next. Of course, people don't always do that. But that is the key part of the movement that is a little different and that you need to spend time on learning. Well, it, there's a lot of confidence behind what you're saying because you you know it's worked. I mean, you validated it. Yeah. So the thing is, when you when you teach the same swing to every single person, if you are trying to use the excuse that everybody is different, then you come to me and I tell you about grip. Somebody else comes to me and I tell them about plane. Third person comes, I talk about posture. And I have no proof that that's going to work with them. Here I'm building up a body of proof over time. And because there are so few movements, Dean, in this golf swing, you can only make one or two mistakes that you can self-diagnose once you get the hang of it. Oh, I either lifted my trail side or I didn't rotate adequately or, you know, there's only one or two things that can go wrong because you are doing so little. Wow. That right there is golden. (laughs) (laughs) Reduce the moving parts. And so let me tell you, there's a lot of people that say, how can you teach the same movement to everyone? Everybody's different. I say, yes, you may be male. I'm female. You're taller. I'm shorter. You're younger. I'm older. Whatever it is. However, we all have the same joints. The elbow, for example, can only move in one specific direction. So if you look at 10 videos of people on YouTube doing a bicep curl with a dumbbell or something, they would move it exactly in the same manner. There's no different ways of doing a bicep curl because that's the design of your elbow joint. To give you a funny example, if you had to design football for horses, you'd have to have a game that's played backwards because horses only kick their hind legs backwards. So basically, if we all have the same joint designs. So whether whatever your limitations, you may not have the same range of motion or whatever. You may have stiffness, flexibility, loss, whatever. We have the same design of the joints. When you position your joints based on what they are capable of doing, then they are not likely to get as injured and they are likely to work together to bring the club back to the ball without misdirecting the other joints in the same upper extremity or lower extremity. Well, it's fascinating. And there are videos on YouTube. There's videos on your website. There are ways everyone listening to this can actually see how this works. You offer lessons too, do you not? Yes, yes, absolutely. And what I suggest, I've had a lot of people that come even from out of town these days. What I suggest is that they get the video on my website, which is like really quite cheap. I don't know how much it sells for, but it's like quite cheap. And practice the movements even with or without hitting any shots. And then you already got a head start. Then you don't need very many lessons to fine tune the movement. Then it comes backed by 30 years of teaching experience. Uh, and 8.5 years of being a full-time graduate student. So it's coming backed by a lot of research and experience. Very important. I also saw on your website where you've got some videos on there on the short swings. I'm curious if you could just tell the audience a little bit about how any of this changes when you're working on your chipping or your pitch shots or anything that might be much more of a finesse shot. Yeah, so that's a very good question. The pitch and the bunker shots are exactly the same as the full swing. Once you've mastered the full swing, then I'd have you, you just stand nearer and taller because the club is shorter and you'd rotate your torso to face away from target a little less because the club is shorter and you'd make the same exact move and it gives you beautiful height and trajectory with just no effort. The thing about this swing is you feel like, hey, I did nothing but the ball is going so far. There's just no effort involved. And then the putting and chipping You rotate the torso. In putting, I may not recommend a rotation of the torso unless there are some issues with the stroke. 
but in chipping you rotate the torso very very minimally and then the stroke is just like what i call sticks back and sticks through so you keep your elbows and your uh, wrists straight and just swing back and through which is like whatever is traditional nothing new about that you just lock your body in place from address to end of swing that's all and you rotate slightly because for everything you match it up there are many advantages to the rotation it prevents you in a putting stroke also you'll be surprised it's not really an over the top movement but it is like your right shoulder comes forward too early in the downswing and causes you to pull the putt the putting and chipping are similar but they are based on just straight arms back and through and keeping your body in place not just from address to impact but from address to the end of the follow through well got to take a look at those I haven't seen those They're yet actually really i once you've done the full swing i really like the way those short game tips turned out because they're like very simple and nice once you've understood the basic premise of the full swing still grounded in the minimalist concept it sounds yes, like yes yes absolutely but i'd like to shift in just the last few minutes that we have and ask a few questions that will help the audience just get a little little more about you know Kieran the person so let me start off and, and these are designed to be fairly short answers but if you want to go a little longer that would be fine too so who've been some of your greatest influencers in this exciting journey of improving the golf swing well, maybe my students because every time i saw that they weren't getting what i wanted them to get i'd obsess over it like sleep breathe dream eat golf and figure out what i could make them do and then as i got into giving them more and more out of the box solutions then i said what the heck if the traditional golf or whatever people typically use doesn't make sense in one way it may not make sense in the other because where is the research to prove that a is the cause of b you know so then i got bolder and bolder and now like everything i say is practically very very different from whatever people have heard before even though i say it is different if you looked at somebody once they'd finished their rotation which is also now very minimal you wouldn't know the difference unless you had a very trained eye good next question as you look out over the next 5 years what has got you really excited i have some very big plans so whenever they are meant to happen they will i first of all want to start g o l f f s which stands for golf fun for seniors which would be a program specifically for seniors you know i see all these all over the country all over the world there's so much happening for juniors in every sport in every field and yet we seniors are living longer lives are retired many seniors have leisure time they have the financial means they would love to do some fun stuff there's no fun left in life for seniors everything is deadly serious you have to eat right you have to exercise right you have to be perfect to be healthy because any little thing can make you sick so why not we do all the fun things that you see kids do depending on your capabilities all the jumping over hurdles all the agility things all the ladder drills in suitable bits for us and either learn golf or relearn golf so that we get the fun back into golf and get better and safer at the same time so this is one of my big plans is to do golf fun for seniors and then if ever the opportunity arises i'd like to have a international golf science academy where coaches from all over the world come and get maybe a hybrid masters degree where you have a few weeks on campus and each of you do a research project on something that matters in golf because all the researchers are just researching what their interests are which doesn't really help us coaches to understand what we need to do to be better instructors 
So it would be like giving them a certification after the LPGA or PGA certification to just get all the sciences in a very simple manner without influencing your thoughts on them. And then you could make your own decisions as a coach about how you could proceed. I suspect you'll have some people raising their hand to get involved in that. <laughs> At the beginning, I, I said you had the potential to revolutionize the golf swing. Do you believe that's true? Well, I've come to the conclusion, Dean, from many years of life experience that grand ideas never help. You just put in the due diligence and the hard work, which I do every single day. And then if it's meant to be and the gods are in favor, it will happen. And if not, at least you had a very concrete goal that you work towards and it was just not meant to happen. It's not just a dream. It's a actually very concrete goal. Mm -hmm. How true. So if you were to put together your ideal foursome, three other players that would play with you, who would they be and why? Well, really, the only people I enjoy playing with, and of course, that's the main criterion, are my old women golfer friends that we've been playing with in India where I grew up for maybe 40 years or whatever. Just because you can kid around with them, you have fun. I'm not motivated by fame or collecting autographs or anything. I just enjoy golf when it's totally, you know, kidding one another, having fun. There's so little fun left in golf, you know. And as you get older, that's some element of life that becomes more and more important. So I would really like to play. And I only like to play with women for two reasons. Then we are all hackers of the same level because the guys think that we are hackers. And then you tee off from the same tee. So you're not like you can chit chat, you can gossip, you can discuss clothes, you can have some other conversation, not just, oh, golf is this awful torture that I have to survive for five hours. <laughs> a lot of social there, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just make it fun. You know, I'm not going to compete in anything important. So what do I care? It has to be fun. But if there was anyone else that I would like to play with, it would be Tiger. He's just had surgery today. There was something on Twitter that said he's had knee surgery now. And how many golf instructors can he come across who can inform him about both performance and injury safety and show that they have the science to back it up? Sounds like you and Tiger had a talk. We need to, but that's very impossible to get in touch with. Not easy, but keep the vision. I love it. Well, last question. If there's one thing you'd like to tell the senior golfers out there that to inspire them, what would it be? Senior golfers, I'm one of your kind as well. And never say die in golf because you can get better. You just have to work a little bit at it. And let's face it, the better you hit the ball, the safer you feel in your movement, the more fun you have. And if you're not having fun with golf, what the heck are you playing golf for anyway? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm kind of building off of that, I think there's another study or a group that you're looking at. It's called Golf for Healthy Aging. I think I saw that or, or heard that somewhere. Is there anything in there that you could share to the audience that might be inspiring and useful? Yes. Yeah, so Golf for Healthy Aging is a royal and ancient funded golf study being conducted at the University of Southern California's Biokinesiology Lab by Dr. George Salem, if you wanted to look it up online. And we had, it's a study that's over already. We are just processing the results. We had 14 golfers that came in in four different groups. And we brought them into the lab and assessed their strength, flexibility, balance, gait, speed, their cognitive abilities, a bunch of very rigorous tests we put them through. Then we gave them 10 weeks of twice-weekly golf lessons with a local PGA pro. 
And then we brought them back into the lab for more testing. And we are seeing improvements in so many of your important physical capabilities and mental capabilities. And as we age and as we get really old, then our activities of daily living even become a problem. So golf is a wonderful form of exercise. If you walk, you push your trolley, maybe a little uphill, downhill. Even if you play, these golfers only played nine holes. So walk and have fun and play golf frequently and it's even whatever swing you use doesn't matter because if you're not going to hit hundreds of balls, you're not going to get injured so badly. Just go out there, play with your friends and walk. That's the main thing. What I do, Dean, is another nice tip that I have. I just carry, you know, at our stage in life, it doesn't matter how many clubs you have. Who says you have to have 14? Just use two or three important clubs, carry them in your hand. Walk, put them on the ground, hit your ball, pick them up and continue. You don't need to push stuff up and downhill. Just have a few clubs and that's it. Have fun. Who says you need 14 when two or three can do? And be creative. It would be a creative process. You have some creative fun trying to figure out how to use those different clubs in different situations. Excellent. Great way to, to wrap things up. So the name of the uh, gentleman again was George. I didn't quite catch this, the last name. Dr. George Salem, S-A-L-E-M from the University of Southern California, Division of Biokinesiology and Physical Therapy. Excellent. So for the listeners, uh, this has been a great discussion. Certainly we could go deeper and further, I know, given all the research that you've done, but I think you gave the, the group a, just a great overview of the minimalist golf swing, soon to be called the optimal performance swing, tops, as, as you say. I think you gave everybody some great insight on how that can work and how that can make a healthier, better performing golf swing, which is great. So for those who want to get in touch with you, what would you uh, recommend? Go through the website or I have a Gmail email ID, theoptimalperformanceswing at gmail.com and that will get to me immediately. That's the easiest way. And then the website would be? www.mgs.golf. It's a .golf extension and MGS stands for Minimalist Golf Swing. And it also has a lot of blog entries on all sorts of interesting things in golf. Those are interesting if people want to understand a little more about how this swing came about or ideas in anatomy or whatever. I'm glad you brought that up because I would encourage everyone to go out and look at some of those. They are fascinating. And uh, very well written, too, I might add. It's research, but it's not difficult to understand research the way you write it. So kudos to you on that. Well, that was an innovative approach to the golf swing. Right after that episode was recorded, I went out and played 18 holes using Kieran's minimalist golf swing, soon to be branded the optimal performance swing. And I got to tell you, I was re very, very pleasantly surprised. I had no exposure to the swing other than purchasing that $25 full swing video on our website. Took a look at that, went out and played, stuck with it for 18 holes, and here were the results. Very amazing for me. Number one is I hit in regulation 15 greens, and I would have made it 16 except I overclubbed on one. So that's much better than I normally would do. Secondly, I had to repair 16 divots. So I was coming in with a lot of flight, a lot of trajectory, and that was also an improvement over what I've been doing. And thirdly, no sacrifice whatsoever in distance. In fact, I was hitting it further than I normally do with just about every club when I was taking the full swing. So again, I was almost shocked at how quickly I was able to grasp this because it is very easy to 
to get once you understand the basic principles. So I'm going to continue to experiment with it for sure. Now, if you like this show and you want to be a subscriber to the show, please do one thing for me. Go to the website. That's the SeniorGolferAdvisor.com. Click on the Contact Dean tab and just send me your information via a message. That way I can keep you up to date on all the happenings that are going to be happening with the show, including when those releases are initially sent out to the public. So you'll be the first to know. So again, thank you for listening and always remember to keep swinging. Keep swinging.